0: welcome back everyone you are listening to take to take with your host luke burrows joined by nick robinson and patrick talon coming to you uh april 1st mlb opening day as we record this as far as i know it is still 2-2 between the jays and the yankees in the bottom of the ninth unless uh, something has changed there nick but you'll, you'll hear me yell if something yeah. <laughs> that. let's uh you know let, let's um let's hold off on our hockey talk for a second both of you give me your predictions how many games do you think the blue Jays are gonna win this year Nick
1: oh man 87
0: I was gonna say 89 so yeah okay
2: yeah it's yeah, that's no, a good number I don't watch baseball or the Jays say but, a number
0: between zero and 162 but
2: I've heard the Jays are good I will go somewhere in the middle and say 88.
0: so we're all we're all right there we'll <laughs> see we'll come back to that in October um hockey. We're going to start with, uh, we have a lot of Vancouver news today, which I'm excited to get into, and I'm sure you guys are as well. <laughs> but we're going to start with, uh, again, more of the newsy side of things. And Patrick, I'm going to throw this to you because you thought that, uh, this is your words, you thought this was a good tweet. Uh, McDavid and Kotkaniemi, two superstars, had a little kerfuffle in, uh, in a game in the past few days. McDavid, high elbow, through center ice on cock and receives a $5,000 fine. And then just last night, Nathan McKinnon as well, which is made <laughs> the Nathan, Nathan McKinnon situation is more funny than anything. But yeah. uh, Pat, what are, what
2: are your thoughts on the, on the McDavid hit? So I've kind of flip-flopped on it. Initially. I thought that was just like a garbage play. It was a garbage elbow to the head. It, they're they're way they weren't involved with the puck. Cockney was going to the bench and McDavid went out of his way to elbow him. Um, Habs Twitter was very adamant about that being suspension worthy saying that he should get a couple games. I didn't really think so. I thought it was garbage. I thought it was a dirty play. I thought maybe a game uh, like maybe a game misconduct or a penalty, but um, after rewatching it, I think if that was a, a Tom Wilson or whoever, and they did that exact same play, I think we'd be calling for a suspension. So I don't know. I feel like it depends on the player. I didn't expect him to get suspended and in the moment I thought it was just a penalty, but the more I look at it and the more I see the fact that it was McDavid instead of someone else, I could hear the argument for a suspension, but um, I don't know. That was just a frustrating game for him. They Montreal's held uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid to pretty low scores um, throughout four games this year. But um, as far as the fine goes, that's what a couple pennies to him that doesn't really matter he's making- well
0: yeah so like a, a superstar doing that and I, I this isn't just a hit on you or the Habs pat but Montreal doesn't really have no. anyone that is that caliber that's going to go out and get targeted unlike like, certain players on Edmonton or Vancouver they, or Toronto. Or... They, they don't
2: have a superstar who gets targeted, but they have a player who gets targeted and who's been injured multiple times and Gall- Gallagher gets injured constantly. He's taken four or five blatant cross checks to the jaw, to the face. Niskanen broke his jaw last year. Well, okay. I hit him across the side I'm... of the mouth. No, but Brennan Gallagher fit, gets that a lot. Brennan Gallagher doesn't. But I don't think that. he's getting he superstar treatment. Like McDavid. Not, no, I didn't say he's getting superstar treatment, but just the argument that because you're getting this treatment, like hey, Sid Sixero's tweet was, McDavid takes a lot of abuse, um, has to deal with officials not protecting him for years, if he wants to throw an elbow now and then, I'm fine for it. I don't think Brendan Gallagher should be doing that d- despite the abuse that he faces constantly. He broke his jaw last year, Niskanen right to the face, Chara's on it multiple times, he's faced this over the course of his career but I don't think because he's faced that, that he should throw an elbow from time to time.
1: But, so but on a player like Brendan Gallagher specifically, it, you could not, it, could you not make the argument that just his play style in general sort of invites that again, you know, me, I'm the furthest, I'm the last person to sort of advocate for overly violent plays in hockey, <laughs> but Brendan Gallagher tri- is something play- disturbing ways of playing hockey Um invite sort of violence directed towards him no
2: uh no not at all um i don't think playing an aggressive style or playing a gritty style when you've never done anything dirty invites getting cross-checked in the face and having your jaw broken so i don't agree with that in the slightest i think it's frustrating uh, the sense of a player like that and brady kachuk but i don't think brady kachuk is inviting people to cross-check anyone him in oh the face. i disagree completely I, 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 but like I, I,
1: Brendan Gallagher, does he not skate around almost to aggravate his opponents and say, punch me, like take a penalty? Like that's, I feel like he plays like that. I feel like Brady Kachuk plays like maybe, that. Maybe,
2: maybe it gets that out of the players, but because you play like that, that doesn't warrant getting cross checked or punched in the face. Being, being an ad, because the difference is, look, maybe, maybe Kachuk isn't our like comparison. Gallagher, as far as i from what I know, but then I'm pretty sure he's never been suspended, pretty sure he's never been fined. He is not a dirty player. He's just an irritating player because he gets in there. He hasn't done anything dirty. And I think, yes, that's frustrating, but I don't think you can say that because you play that style that that invites getting cross-checked in the face. Yeah, it might invite a face wash. It might, might invite, you know, a couple more hits here and there, but it doesn't invite something blatantly dirty like a cross-check in the face or like a broken jaw. And I think saying that it invites a, you know, it can lead to a broken jaw because you play like that. I just, I completely disagree. All right. We, you and I are
1: going to agree on this
2: one. I don't think <laughs> No, there's not well, a
0: chance south of the border. Nathan McKinnon also received a $5,000 fine. I think that was more of a technical thing for throwing a helmet, tossing a helmet towards the face of another player. It was just, it was, I, I, I understand that when I'm assuming we're all on the same page there. Why, why he received that? Because you can't do that. Blue Jays are up, Nick three, two top of the 10th. Is that correct?
1: Yep. Just one up there. You can, uh, you'll, you'll see my, if I cut this part on the YouTube, then we'll probably see my reaction to that. That was, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Patrick line I mean,
0: he's in Columbus. He's struggling. He's not having a good time with head coach, John Tortorella, Patrick, again, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this to you. What I'm, I was going to ask, what do you think's going on? But I think everyone kind of knows what's going on. And I think a lot of people aren't surprised. But Patrick, what do you think is going on in Columbus?
2: Are we surprised that Patrick Laine isn't working under John Tortorella at all? This is like I think we had hopes that it could work out, change the scenery, play with Texier, play with Domi as a playmaker, but it's not. And what is it? Patrick Laine has what one or two goals since being there. He's not doing well. Um, and from everything we've seen, Tortorella wants him to be a perfect 200 foot player. And I think it just comes from what the expectations are. If you're expecting a, a 50 or someone who could be a 50 goal scorer to play a 200 foot game, you're not going to get that. And I think you have to point at Tortorella and at the same time, I don't think anybody should be surprised that it's not working. You know, Dubois is not a very good defensive center. Uh, he goes to Winnipeg for a, a tough coach like Paul Maurice uh, for a goal scoring winger who is even worse defensively and it's not working. So um, I feel bad for Patrick Laine, but I think, I think I'd be pointing the finger at Torts here.
0: So, yeah, that's my follow-up question. When do you guys think they start, you know, upper management starts thinking, okay, Tortorella's run enough quality players out of town and we should probably turn our attention to the coach himself. Nick, do you think, do you think that's in the near future uh, kind of a, a reevaluation of John Tortorella's position in Columbus?
1: Yeah, I think we talked about this at length when the trade was made on the show that, John Tortorella sort of has a view of turning the Columbus blue jackets into a defensive powerhouse, which he essentially did last year. And, you know, they're still pretty st- sturdy defensive team this year. Whereas Yarmo line in through additions of guys like Domi and YNA is clearly trying to inject some more scoring into the lineup. And it's not like that these, either of these players have uh, a good history of being solid defensive zone guys. So I think there's obviously that sort of disagreement between the coach and the general manager And obviously the general manager usually ends up winning that battle. So I would assume if Columbus were to miss the playoffs this year, that Tortorella is going to be looking down the ax, despite the fact that he's, you know, done a good job with the roster he's been given, but there is clearly a difference in philosophy.
2: I also think a good story. One of my friends tweeted, why do we expect guys like line A to be strong defensively, but never expect the stay at home defenseman to be strong offensively. If a guy can score 50 goals, I don't really care if he blocks shots. I think that's a perfect take. And you know, Line A could be better defensively, but when you have someone that skilled, you're wasting energy expecting him to be to be this perfect 200-foot winger. It's probably in Tortorella's best interest and Columbus's best interest, and for Line A to just say, "Be creative with the puck in the offensive zone, back check enough, play your position," but having these unrealistic expectations for a player that just isn't doing that, I think I think that's where that's where you have to.
0: To to play devil's advocate on that tweet, I think, I think, I think it is two different questions asking an offensive forward to backcheck and asking a stay at home, shut down defense to contribute to, to yeah. offense. I mean, I think you, you can ask Patrick line a, Hey man, when the, when the pucks in our zone, get back, help out back check, you know, play, play contribute to some degree in, in the defensive zone. But but you, you wouldn't ask Chris Tanev to, hey man, like when when no, we're in the no. offensive zone, start <laughs> contributing more. Like it's no, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. And that's that's a fair that's a fair point. I just expect I don't know. Maybe you're right. But I get I, I understand defense, defensive defensemen don't exist, by
0: the way. But speaking of Chris Tanev <laughs> and his former team, the Vancouver Canucks have taken a page out of the Montreal Canadiens book and uh, announced yesterday before their scheduled 9 p.m. game against the Calgary, ten no 10:30 p.m. game against the Calgary Flames. Two players and one member of the coaching staff are in COVID protocol. One of those players is identified, and he was that was that was that came out a few days prior. But that game last night has been postponed. Uh, there are supposed to be more updates today. I mean, it's only I guess 1:30 out there, but I haven't heard anything sp- specifically. Uh, there was news though yesterday from Vancouver. Thatcher Demko signed a five by five for the Canucks. I'm, you know, after all the Jim Benning slander, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with this. I think, I think it's a it's a win on both sides. Thatcher Demko, that's a that's a quality deal, I think, especially for a goalie. I, I have very strong opinions about goalie contracts. I think that's a really good deal. And for Vancouver's side, I think that's a really good deal. And you, you kind of you look at some other recent goalie contracts that, that have been signed. Uh, Jordan ben- Bennington, uh, Jacob Markstrom, were both above that. I think five by five for Thatcher Demko is um, very good. I'm not sure if either of you have any thoughts on that. If you want to praise Jim Benning here,
1: yeah, Demko's proved me wrong this year. I think I gave him quite a bit of slander early on in the season. Didn't think he'd be able to repeat. Um, anything w- that he showed in the playoffs last year, to my credit, at least he hasn't been, a, you know, a 950 goalie. But um, being a 920 goalie is pretty good too. And it, it's exactly what the Canucks needed right after losing Markstrom. He's been it, this was a guy they couldn't just end up losing or pushing out of town again, especially after the tumultuous offseason that Vancouver uh, just had, in which they lost a lot of their players. So um, I think it's good from that. Standpoint to get the contract in. As for the dollar in the term, obviously it's always a risk with the goalie because you know, just speaking from what I see, I you know we always thought Matt Murray was going to be one of the next big things in the NHL, and my God, uh, one year into his contract, Ottawa does not look very good. What's um, his contract so again? Always Yeah, he's got three more years after this one at $6.25 million, which, you know, you compare that to what Demko's getting. You're obviously going to take that Demko deal. But, you know, goalies always carry that bit more risk. So we'll see how it goes. But on the surface, I think this is good for the Canucks. And it'll be interesting to see what it means for the deals of Hughes and Pedersen.
0: Yes. Uh, Sorry, Patrick. Hashtag thank you, Jim, from you.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) No. The bar is pretty low for Jim Benning, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's good. I was surprised he he did this. Again, there is still a little bit of a risk. He's only played sixty-two career NHL games. Is he probably going to be better than? Is he going to continue a strong play? Probably, but there's always a possibility that it that it flops. And Nick made made a good point. But overall, all in all, this is a, this is a good signing from uh, wow. Bim. Bit of a
1: negative Nancy over there, but that's all right. <laughs> did you call um, him Bim Jennings?
2: Yeah, it's a Twitter meme.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was just a, sk- a slip no, of the time. No. <laughs> um,
0: Nick, you just referred to this. Hughes and Pedersen, that is kind of the hot topic now since Demko has been dealt with. And the rumor mill is kind of saying $15 million is budgeted for both Hughes and Pedersen. So that kind of speaks to the kind of contract they're going to get. You know, a, a lot of people are saying... Uh, Kane and Taves them give them you know give them the exact same thing Uh, people are saying two three years just based off 15 million you're gonna think "Mm, 7.5 I don't know so I want to ask you guys without thinking too much in it what would you predict for Hughes and Pedersen's next contract
1: yeah I was gonna say obviously you'd want to long-term these guys as much as possible but I given Vancouver's cap constraints and what Bim Jenning has done in other areas tying up Vancouver's assets into really mediocre players and stuff like that. It's they're They have no choice here really besides to budget 15 million for these players. So I I'm thinking, I don't know, probably seven by like two or three for each of them, I would say is realistic at this point, despite the fact that I'd want to go, you know, seven, eight years with these players.
2: Yeah. I think, I think I would agree. And Pedersen changed his agent, right? Um, Yes. Four or five months ago. And that, yeah, I think I think Pedersen. I'd probably say the same as Nick. I'm I'm bad with contract predictions, especially and Vancouver's hard to predict because they have so many bad contracts that um, Benning gave out. But I would probably say something along the same lines as Nick.
1: What do you think, Luke?
0: Well, I I actually I predicted this online yesterday. I think I said it was just Pedersen. I think I said uh, two by two by seven point five or something. Because I, I I do think it's they're gonna get the same the same deal. And if it's fifteen million, then that just kind of tells you right there. But two by seven point five, I'd like it's safe. You're, you're not running them to UFA or anything, obviously. But uh, like I don't know, like you said, Nick, I'd like to lock them down for longer, but that's not an option right now based on yeah. the current cap situation. Circling back to goalies. We talked about Thatcher Demko, who I mean, March is over now. Thatcher Demko had a stellar March, can't deny that. Let's uh, let's kind of hypothesize here, assuming say the the playoffs start tomorrow, and both Ottawa and Montreal have made it. Pick a goalie. Well, obviously, I know which goalie you're going to pick. Pick your top three goalies to have on on your team from the North Division right now, uh, Patrick. I'll start
2: with you. Connor Hellebuck, yep. numero R. Um, because of the last week or so, I would I could say Demko. Um, Dem- Demko hasn't there. played
0: for the last the last month.
2: Or not last week, but the last. Well, he's, yeah. he's been one of the better goalies in yep. the in the north. And then, uh, consistency wise, Jake Allen or Carey Price probably price because of how he gets he gets pretty hot in the playoffs so yeah uh, even even I'll based on
0: the year he's had you take price over is, Allen.
2: he uh the past month he's been fine it was the rough start but ever since the goalie coach changed he's been one of the better goalies in the league i will change that i will go hella price and then demco just because <laughs> price has more experience under his belt and he's turned it on when it counts especially in the playoffs so that's my three
0: Demko didn't turn it on in the
2: playoffs last year is that what you're saying I'm a Habs fan. I don't know what y'all I'm going to say.
1: Nick. Um, okay. If I'm just ordering like top three, it's I, like, I still try. I, I'm going to go with uh, Hellebuck at first. I think that's a no-brainer for everybody. Yep. I'm still trusting Markstrom to put it together in Calgary and he'd still be my second pick. I I just think Calgary is pretty bad and uh, it just hasn't worked for him right off the bat there, but I still think he's going to turn it around I third is tough because it's a, such a crapshoot of goalies in the division. But, um, I'll probably go Demko, recency bias.
0: I would almost agree with you, Nick. I, I would go Hella Book Demko, and then I would go Marstrom or Allen. I honestly wouldn't even really consider price with the other goalies that are playing well right now. No, nor but, would I. Um, you know, I guess we're not Habs fans, so what can you expect?
2: Well, the play I'm only looking at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at his since the goaltending coaching change and just every when he's in the playoffs he can he can get hot so
0: well when we come back we will have our first mailbag with fan sided we are very excited got a few trade deadline questions to go over we will be back after this short break all right so we'll get into our mailbag. We posted a mailbag on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at take to take a radio. Uh, yesterday we posted a mailbag. We've got a few questions again, most of them regarding the upcoming trade deadline. I will start with one from at Ryan S one one nine five. If Nashville suddenly doesn't become sellers, does the high end trade market at the deadline dry up? Are there any surprise trades from teams you wouldn't expect to be selling Patrick?
2: I think it's, I mean, it would dry up as far as Ekholm goes, but aside from that, the, the TSN trade board is still pretty, got some pretty big names there. Uh, Kyle Par- Palmieri has climbed. Taylor Hall is still there. Uh, Mikael Granlund, Toronto's top prospect is listed. Um, dries up for Ekholm, but that means other left-handed defensemen that could be on the market, uh, Vince Dunn, for example, whose name is being thrown out there more. Uh, there could be a bigger deal for them. Uh Number one on the board right now is David Savard in Columbus. I don't know if Columbus is in a position to buy at the deadline. They could be sellers. I've seen that thrown around as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it dries up to an extent only because of Ekholm. But um, as far as surprise trades, I probably couldn't. I, I, one of the trades I've been predicting, I think Taylor Hall could go to the New York Islanders just because Andrews Lee is out for, for a while. I'm st- standing by that. I think that's where he's going to go. But um, as far as su- uh, it drying up, I don't think losing Ekholm it makes that big of a difference.
1: I, I think it does dry up, but because you mentioned Grandland, well, assuming Nashville continues this run, he'll also be off. Forsberg's name was also being floated around at one point. That's going to be a guy that for sure doesn't move right now. So, you know, those are some pretty big names that were being discussed by uh, especially in the Toronto media, all guys that could possibly be fits here. And that's three pretty big names off the board if Nashville continues their success. So I think, Um, you know, just depending on how they've done recently, it does definitely put a damper in it. Um, in terms of the second part of that question, if there's any teams, I think that can make a stealth move. Um, you know, the Islanders aren't really one to make a big move for rentals or anything like that. That's sort of always been Lou Amarillo's policy. But like you said, Patrick, it just makes a lot of sense right now with Taylor Hall and the injury to Anders Lee for them to do something. Um, but who knows it's, so tough to know who's in and who's out this year because there's very few surefire contenders. And even then just because of the difficulty of moving money out at this point, yeah. I'm not sure that any big deals with them get done. Um, So the Islanders would pretty much be my only stealth ish team.
0: Yeah. Speaking on Nashville, they have put themselves into quite an interesting situation currently sitting fourth in the central division, though. Top three in that division are kind of set top three. Uh, the jump from three to four is 10 points. And then you've got Nashville, Chicago, and Columbus. Did you guys all right there?
2: Did you guys think like Forsberg moving was a pretty big possibility?
1: Yeah, I sort of thought so. If Nashville was going to start to blow stuff up, I, I would have thought that was going yeah. to he's, Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Um, Moving on. Next question. Thank you, Ryan, for that one. From at Emmanuel underscore A-W-H. And Pat, I'll give this to you again because you are a Habs fan. Who do you expect the Habs to move, if anyone, for cap space at the deadline?
2: I w- would like to say Paul Byron because his contract is frustrating. Uh, 3.4 up until 2022. Uh, his, he's produced in the past, a couple 40-point seasons. Uh, he's one that I think they'd be wise to move on from. I think teams still value him. He's a good middle six or bottom six, uh, winger with speed who can kill penalties. Um, I think one of, or a couple of, uh, Armia or Byron will be the ones that are moved. I think Lekkonen can get the most, uh, you can get the most out of Archery Lekkonen because he's valued around the league. Um, but again, Armia and Lekanen are guys that I want the Habs to have going into the playoffs. Someone like Paul Byron, I think, is one that should be moved. But if I'm if I'm gonna pick one, I think I think it's likely Armia or uh, Lekkinen. Um
1: interesting that you mentioned Byron, seeing as how he was on waivers just over a month ago, I think it was now. Yep. Is that Pat? I'll ask you one that you think the Canadians are gonna to have to pay somebody to take?
2: Yeah, I think and that that's why I mentioned Lekkinen and Armia, because Armia and Lekkinen are valued more. And I think if you move Lekkinen uh to whatever team, you could get a better return. Whereas Byron, just because of his contract and how much his production has dipped, you'd have to throw in a sweetener for him to take it, where you wouldn't have to do that with Armia and uh, Lekken. But I, th- I still think he's valued. It's just that I think it's the term more than the cap hit, if anything. Three more years at uh, 3.4 is kind of rough, but I do think you'd send a sweetener. And in Montreal's case, if they're potentially buying at this year's deadline, getting rid of that cap hit should be a, should be a priority.
0: Well, personally, I still think Montreal should blow it up. But anyways. Thank you, Emmanuel. Moving on to one from Drew Hardiman at Drew Hardiman One. With the athletic story on Kraken GM already getting calls from teams, do you see this as another roadblock, quote unquote, for teams surrounding rental deadline deals? Nick.
1: Well, obviously, with this being an expansion year, I think, um, you know, just the situation that COVID has created for the NHL this year we're really not focusing on the fact that it's an expansion draft year and that Seattle is going to be picking a team this summer they're going to be in the draft all of these things so I think I'm not really surprised at all that Ron Francis has already been in contact with the other GMs in the league and you know it really sort of dawned on me that this was an expansion year all of a sudden um, during the yeah. Christian Willannon trade that we discussed on our last episode because somebody pointed out, well, why did Ottawa not just take a draft pick back and bring in another body in Michael Amadio? Well, it turns out maybe because he fits expansion draft requirements and is another guy they can um, expose for Seattle. So, you know, I think you, stealth moves like that that are made with. Seattle in mind are already being made. So I'm not surprised that Ron Francis is in contact with a bunch of these other GMs. And I think we're going to start to see more of it because um, you know, look how, look how busy Vegas got ahead of the draft last time. And that's really when they established the main building blocks for their team was at that draft Um, and the moves they made out of it. So I think we're going to start to see a lot more activity and a lot more conversations surrounding Seattle, um, especially on deadline day and just after it passes.
0: There you go, Drew. Thank you for your question. From friend of the show, Jacob LaRiviere, Nick, who should Ottawa trade to maximize value? Names like Zingle and Riley are being thrown around a lot, but what are you thinking?
1: I was a big fan of picking Shane Goss' bear uh, up off waivers and trading Mike Riley to capitalize on his value because he's actually had an outstanding year for Ottawa. I thought that um, sort of move would have made it a lot of sense. I like Mike Riley. He's had a good year, but I think this is a case of a guy that you have pumped up his value now. It's never going to be higher than it is right now. He's a third pairing guy. He's not a top 40 Um, And I think there is a lot of value in terms of a player like Mike Rowley, if you're a contending team. So I think they've got to at least really try and explore the possibility of trading him. Um, Zingle is another one like Jacob mentioned there that makes sense just because he's put the puck in the net quite a few times and his return to Ottawa and he's looked good. And I'm not sure if there's a fit with him beyond this season, just because Ottawa has got so many forwards coming up, but the other guy for sure that they got to move on and I'm not really confident that they're going to do it is good. Branson just because Hmm. of that cap hit and, um, his value is plummeting and the fact that he had any value at all, um,
2: not according to Anthony Stewart,
1: stunning. Yeah. Not according (laughs) to Anthony Stewart, who said the Leafs should trade for him. I'm 200% support that (laughs) as a uh, Senator's fan, but, uh, I, I would look at moving all those guys out, but this is not like a normal deadline for Ottawa. Um, they usually have the big assets uh, to move. They don't have any big assets to move anymore. Um, all the big assets are young guys now, and we, they want to keep those guys. We, being the fans, want to see them. Yep. So,
2: yeah. I've, I've seen Nick Paul's name out there as a team looking for a bottom six guy to somewhat affordable cap it. Do you think the Sens are in position to move him or no?
1: I don't think so. I think Nick Paul's a pretty respected guy, you can tell, with the yeah. Senators now um yeah. and he's definitely earned his keep he's become a really really solid defensive um yeah. bottom six player so uh while that is extremely valuable to contending teams and you look at some of the prices those guys have fetched in the past like barclay goodrow uh, yeah. got a first last year and i'm not saying nick paul's gonna get you a first round pick and probably gets you um like a second or something like that just because of the deadline uh inflated value but uh just because of his upwards trajectory. And I'm not sure how much higher of a ceiling he has, Nick Paul, but I, I, I would keep him just because they have other guys that they can move before right. you look at moving a Nick Paul, unless somebody blows you away with an offer.
0: Okay. Thank you, Jacob. This one, wonder who this could be. At James Talon 33 and Patrick, I'll give this to you for no reason at all. Will the Habs deal any of their UFAs before the trade deadline?
2: So I mentioned before how I think one of Byron Armia or, or Lekkanen or the forwards are going to be dealt um, despite Lekkanen and Armia being good playoff guys. Um, Pierre Lebrun on TSN of the day mentioned that with the Eric Stahl. So he didn't, he didn't say that's going to happen, but he said, you never know could be a possibility with the signing of Eric Stahl or the acquisition of Eric Stahl being a middle six center. Maybe Montreal looks to trade Philip Deneau. And he said, this kind of, Kind of, it wasn't like a big it wasn't like a big announcement, but I think that kind of caught me off guard a little bit because um obviously we know Deneau declined the $30 million contract before the season. He struggled to start the season. Um and Eric Stahl is still a a good three C, probably a, a lower end two C in, in the National Hockey League, or at least on, on Montreal Canadians. So that kind of caught me off guard, but one name I will mention, and if Montreal is in on, an, on another left defenseman, apparently they made a push for at home, but that's less likely. If they're in on events done, I think you'd have to have another left defenseman going out. Uh, having Kulak, Edmondson, Sherratt, Romanov, all the guys they do, uh, Ben Sherratt's on a somewhat movable deal, and I think if they were going to bring in events done or someone like that, you'd have to see someone on the back end going out, but um, I think the most likely, like I said before, is, is an Armia or a Byron or a, a Lekin. I think Deneau and Charot is less likely, but I wouldn't completely rule it out.
0: Okay, thank you, James. And we have one more from Drew Hardeman again, and this is a bit of a bit of a theoretical question, I guess. He's asking, do you think that the five thousand dollar max fine is reasonable, and in context of the recent McDavid fine? So. When you break it down like this, and it's a, it's a bit of kind of skewing the way you're looking at it, but McDavid's salary, $12.5 million per game, uh, $150,000 to 2439 per 60 minutes, 2540 A two-minute penalty, 5081 The fine was 5000 You get, You guys get where I'm getting at. Yes. So the the end of this was he made $81 for the hit on Kotkaniemi, and bit of a stretch, but... Do you do you think that the, the $5,000 fine is is maybe too low? And Drew also asks, is there a potential for upping the fine just straight up or a tiered fine system like they do for suspensions?
1: Nick? I think a tiered fine system would work in theory um, yep. because percent of salary is... Um, I I think that that's been floated around. I think that might be a bit too harsh because I'm not sure um, Connor McDavid, if they want to max out a fine on him costs significantly more than a fine on any other player in the league. Like, I'm not sure that um, necessarily makes sense. I get why people are raising that just because it is a huge, just cut the BS type move. I think a tiered fine system works really well, but I'm not sure how that would work with suspensions either um, because you're already forfeiting money when you are suspended. So with that being said, I think it, it's easier if the NHL were to just increase the set amount that they're fining people, upgrade the maximum fine fee from 5000 to 25000 or something like that, like literally just you know, take a bigger chunk. Um, I think that would more so discourage some stuff. Um, and then just keep the, uh, suspension system as is, although, you know, we've talked about it before, it's pretty shady itself. So, um, you know, the hockey and disciplining yeah. players, pretty imperfect as is, when but th- I think, I think just increasing the fine amount could help
0: when you think about it. Well, not even when you think about it, $5,000 for an
2: NHL player is just nothing. It's absolutely nothing. no, it's, it's not, not a lot at all.
0: I don't yeah. know. Patrick, any thoughts on that?
2: I think I know. I agree. I think, um, I wouldn't mind seeing a tiered system. I also think the NHL needs to uh, figure out what is suspension worthy and what isn't. Uh, Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that will just about do it for our mailbag. Good questions. Thank you for everyone uh, for contributing. And I mean, we're certainly going to do that again, but if anyone ever has anything they want us to talk about on the show, just reach out at take to take radio on Twitter. We are always open to ideas. And that will do it for us today. That is the end of our show. We will be back next week, as per usual, next Monday. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate everyone listening, and we'll see you next week.